emergency podcast. You got an emergency podcast after Bradley Beal has signed the extension that we've been talking about for Lord knows how long. The Wizards offered him an extension that could have been as many as three years on July 26th. It is now October 17th, so we are almost three months after the initial offer. They offered him basically every single iteration of a deal that they were possibly allowed to. There was one-year extension, two-year extension, three-year extension. Hey, you want player option? You get your player option. You want to get half your salary up front? You get that. Turns out Bradley Beal is now signed and Ur is about to sign. He's agreed to sign. Not official as of the time that we're recording this, but is signed a uh, what is technically a two-year extension, what will be effectively – a one-year extension, two years, $72 million added on to the two years and about $56 million that are already on his deal. He can become a free agent as soon as 2022. He's got a player option for the 2022-23 season, but Bradley Beal has re-upped with the Wizards. He will be a Wizard or can be a Wizard for at least the next three years. The Wizards can't trade him this year now because he can't trade till six months after an extension is signed, uh, and six months from now is obviously after the trade deadline, so if the Wizards are going to trade him, it's not till next summer. That storyline of trading Bradley Beal is over. You're not going to hear that from me or anybody else for at least a little while. The Wizards have been dying to do this. They've been desperate to do this. They want them. They love Bradley Beal. They love having Bradley Beal on their team. Now they got it. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I also am the host of Wizards After Dark. And all that noise on the end, we're going to cut yesterday... I had this guy on the podcast, and he was just running water right into his microphone because he felt so comfortable. And now we're like, you know what? Emergency podcast. We got I got to leave for practice in about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, Ben Standig's already on his way and is doing this from his phone in his car. Oh, man. Does it sound like – does it sound that bad? Am I on the Indy 500 uh, racetrack? Oh, and the connection is great. I mean, this is this is authentic podcasting. This is a – this is a true phone call. I imagine you doing this like from the car phone where you got like the like the twisty wire on the phone and it's like it, we're doing it real throwback. Uh yes, everything you said. I don't have a phone the size of a shoe, but other than that, you have the the, the picture painted correctly. Maybe a small shoe, like a baby shoe. My phone, phone is kind of big direction. to be honest. Phones used to be really small and then they phones were really big. And then they got really small, and, like, the fad was, like, how small is your phone in, like, 2006? And then they progressively have gotten bigger, and now, like, iPhones are huge. I had the – this is the second – I have an Android. This is the second big phone I've had. And when I first got – I didn't have an iPad, so when I, I got, like, the big uh, Android phone to sort of as a hybrid, everybody made fun of me. Oh, my God. I, so, so, such mocking over the size of the phone. But you know what they say, the size of the phone, uh, you know. It's, 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 it's about the motion of the phone. It's about what you, <laughs> it's about what you can do with your phone. It's not how about you, the size you, of the phone. It's how you push the buttons. <laughs> you push the buttons. <laughs> there aren't even buttons. It's a touch screen. Uh, you know. You still have a Motorola Razor? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um... I'm going to leave this off because we've got about 20 minutes or so to chat. And I'm going to leave this off by reading. This was from two weeks ago. I I spoke with Bradley Beal about the prospect of taking an extension. He said, like, he wants to see how this team is. He wants to see how the year goes. 
there was a deadline on him signing the extension four days from now. He had to sign, if he was going to sign, by October 21st at 11.59 p.m. And I was, like, preparing a story on Bradley Beal didn't sign the extension. What next? What questions do the Wizards have to answer? And what decisions do the Wizards have to make? That is now thrown away, and it will never see daylight. Uh, And I'm just going to call myself out on this. Someone in the comments of that story when I was talking to Brad uh, commented, honestly, Fred, what do you think the chances, this is from Philip G, said, honestly, Fred, what, what do you think the chances are he would sign the contract? And I responded, my personal opinion, not me reporting that he won't, just I believe, I don't think he'll sign it. So I'm calling myself out on it. Rumblings started yesterday I, I, that he was going to sign the deal. Now, I don't know if that means that Beal decided yesterday. We haven't spoken to him yet. I imagine today at practice, we're going to we're gonna be talking to Brad. If not today at practice, certainly uh, tomorrow, because tomorrow they play in Philadelphia, and you know I'll, they have shoot around tomorrow morning, and they have a game tomorrow night, and I'll be at both those events. And I uh, promise I won't forget about this extension. I, I, I don't really know when. I don't even know if there was a turn. I mean, Brad keeps things very close to the vest, right? You know that as well as I do. Um, but I think most people in the league did not expect this. I mean, the texts that I received this morning from people who work in the league were something along the lines of like, whoa, to holy crap, I didn't expect it. But you know what? All these people who were saying they should trade Bradley Beal, they have to trade Bradley Beal, look at this extension now, and pretty much everyone's reaction is just like, Good for the Wizards. Good for them. Like, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, a mistake. They shouldn't have extended him. They just should have traded him. Like, no one's even come close to touching that subject. Yeah, no, and and so much to, to get into there. You know, I, I never was on the the, the the train of they have to trade him. I always thought that was borderline silly in the from the basic standpoint of he's a 26-year-old two-time all-star who's a leader. Like and he fits in with any scenario. So whatever the Wizards needed to throw at this, if you know, do add, he would be able to fit in easily. And you have this really young team. This dude is a leader, and you know, th- if you're going to have some, your young guys emulate somebody, it's Bradley Beal. Now, of course, I, I obviously saw the other side. While the Wizards aren't going to be, you know, likely to be very good this year, and maybe not even next year. You know, in terms of at least next year, in terms of contending, if for anything substantial, so doesn't make sense to trade Bradley Beal. Get what you can, not you know, quote unquote, waste his prime and all and all and all that. Um, I, that I could see, and I, I definitely this is I, I've said this many times now. This is one the rare topic where I sort of hedge both ways because I can kind of see it. I did look back at some things I wrote, kind of like what you did, and um, you know, I, I thought he was willing to give them a shot to see what they're doing, but I didn't think that shot would be, okay, I've listened to you talk, we went through training camp, I'm good. I figured it would be much more of, you know, get into the season, what have you, and we'll see where we're at later on, then maybe commit to something. Um, you know, your set, the extension like deadline, like you said, was, was up in a couple of days, but, like you know, long term, he'd commit to something down the line. If you bought in, I didn't necessarily think it would happen now. It does. The extension does give the Wizards some more time to continue to figure out what, what they're what they're going to do going forward. Uh, but I just talked to, to to Brad's agent, Mark Bartlesley, and he basically said this is about the long term. Bradley Beal, throughout the process, the one thing that was clear to him was he wanted to remain a Wizard. He wants to retire a Wizard. 
and you know this deal doesn't get them there, but it puts you in the right path to to, to believe that Bradley Beal does in fact want to stay with this team. And look, what this deal does. I covered an extremely similar extension situation to this when I was in Oklahoma City. where And it's the only scenario in an extension where I can think it was as similar as, as the Beal one is structured. Which is that, I mean, the reason he extended one year with a player option is because the Supermax doesn't really matter. So all the Supermaxes and people talk about, well, if he makes All-NBA, he's going to be eligible for a Supermax extension next summer. Uh, Now, obviously, that's not the case because he signed the extension. But all the Supermax is, is there are tiers of max contracts. So if you've been in the league for fewer than seven years, you can get up to 25% of the salary cap. That's your max. Seven to nine years, it's 25% of the salary cap. uh, uh, Sorry, 25% for under seven years, 30% for seven to nine years. And if you've been a 10-plus year veteran in the NBA, you can start your contract with up to a salary that's up to 35% of whatever that year's salary cap is. And all the Supermax is, is you're able to get a 35% max before you're a 10-year guy. And all this does, and Kevin Durant did this via free agency, where he signed a one-year deal. He was a nine-year vet. He signed a one-year deal to get to 10 years, so he knew he didn't even have to be Supermax eligible. He was just a 10-year vet, and he could get his 35-year max. And he he signed one-year deals consistently. When I was in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, Eight-year veteran, one year left on his deal, signed a basically a similar thing, a one plus one that allowed him to have the safety net of a player option, which, you know, something terrible happens. He can pick up his player option, make a max salary for another year, more realistically, not pick up the player option and a free agency as a 10-year veteran. And this is what Beal does. Beal is a seven-year vet right now. He's entering his eighth year. He's got the two more years of his deal, which are his eighth and ninth years in the league. And now he's got the extension. Now he has the ability if he wants to, and in all likelihood, if Bradley Beal is the same player and he's healthy and and all, you know, Bradley Beal just keeps doing the same stuff he's doing. Bradley Beal is not going to pick up that player option. He's going to hit free agency as a 10-year vet, and we'll see if he gets a 35% max, uh, but he has the option and the ability. He has the eligibility to be able to get that uh, that 35% max, and that's really where this contract structure comes from, the ability to get for sure, that 35% max as soon as he is certainly eligible from just a veteranship standpoint. And, and I think that's where this where this contract comes from, and I think that's why, from a Beal standpoint, it's a good deal for him. Like, I, I understand why he took it. Certainly from a monetary standpoint, he gets, he gets a lot of money for one year. He gets to play out his contract. He obviously likes playing in Washington, D.C., he obviously likes playing for the Wizards. His family obviously likes it here. If those things weren't true, he wouldn't have signed it. I, so I want to read what Brad said to me um, when I spoke to him for this piece that I, I previously referenced two weeks ago because I, I spoke to him on media day and then posted this for the next morning. He said, I can really retire today and be okay. So I want everybody to understand it's not the money. It's not the money factor here. It's me. It's okay. What's the direction the team's going in? Are we going to win? Is this what we want? Uh, we know that this is probably going to be a development year. It's going to be one of those types of years. So does Bradley Beal want to be a part of that ultimately? And that's something I have to ask myself and something I'm probably still not done asking. So I'm going to use all the time that I can. First of all, I love that Brad went into a third person when talking about that. Absolutely. Uh, 
Not normally a Brad move. I can't recall him ever going into third person other than at that exact moment. Uh, I don't. I, it's he's certainly used all the time he could. He took it all the way down to the wire. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to get it. I wonder what helped him make up – and we're going to ask him this today. I wonder what helped him make up his mind more in the preseason. Yeah, obviously it's an important question. I mean, look, we'd be naive to pretend that the money wasn't involved and should mention it isn't just the one-on-one deal. He's got some perks in there, trade kicker, uh, some other things like that. I mean, right, I think I was just looking at it quickly. It almost seemed like – he got the Otto Porter uh, perks. Yes, that's correct. He gets half of right. his salary up front, so he's going to get like a seventeen million dollar check. God, can you imagine? Um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can imagine. Here's here's what I've always found weird about that is why that's that's allowed. Because yeah, that was what the Nets did with Otto Porter's offer sheet. It. If you go by the simple economics principle of just just uh, present day value of money, just a dollar today is more valuable than a dollar tomorrow. Like that's that's a raise. I mean, that's a raise beyond what his salary is. And I always find it weird that that's allowed. Right. I mean, at a base level, he takes that check, puts it in the bank, even if it's earning two percent or whatever the bank, whatever the number is. Yeah, he's getting more money on that. He's getting more on that money than uh, than you know he would you know otherwise, um, for sure. Uh, but but to the question of like what what, you know, what change, you know, it'll be a great one. You know, anecdotally, the mo- again the money is the money. Let's, we're not, we won't pretend that that's not a massive thing. These perks as well, and like you said, all the other reasons he wants to live in D.C. or uh, clearly and things like that. But in terms of um, what maybe changed? I mean, you're at you've been around this team obviously more than I have at this point in the season. But when I'm in there, like it's a lot of it because they have a lot of young guys and new guys. But but there is a a, a, a vibrant energy in there with Brad being sort of the Pied Piper and all the kids kind of following his lead. He's clearly the man on every level, and uh, even more so than than in the past when you had you know Mark Keefe here and and Gortat and obviously John Wall. And I, I, I suspect he just likes the vibe. He likes this scene. I've always said the one the one thing I think people overlook on some level is for the first time in his career, Bradley Beal enters the season as the guy on the poster. It's all Bradley Beal. He's been he's had to take that role the last couple of years when Wall got hurt, but he enters it. This is this is his thing, and I, I suspect he likes the feeling of that. He likes the vibe around him. That's on top of the other stuff, the money, whatever he's heard. To this point, from Tommy Shepard and Ted Leontis, I think it all contributes. But if you're, you know, if we're sort of looking for a potential tipping point, I wonder just how much just he likes the the, the vibe that's going on here now compared to a year ago, where let's not forget there was infighting during the season, not to mention the losing. So, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, that'll be interesting to see what he says about the, if anything, about the you know sort of the tone and the, and, and the vibe of this team right now. Yeah, and look, Brad, I think you're totally right. By the way, uh, Brad won't say it publicly. Because he's just too calculated to say it publicly. Enough people who are close with Brad have said to me flat out, like, and and they don't mean it as like a power trip way. They just mean Brad wants to be the man. He believes he is good enough to be the man on a team. I voted for him for All NBA last year, so I agree with that. If 
you're an All-NBA player, you're good enough to be the man on a team. Brad wants to be the man. He wants to be a culture setter. He wants to be that dude. Uh, and this is his real opportunity to do it now. And I do think that's attractive to him. Something I wonder about, and part of the reason why I thought he wasn't going to accept it wasn't because I thought he was going to not accept it and then go and demand a trade. I didn't think that was going to happen, but I just kind of thought, just based on his comments that he's made to me, and just from talking to people, I kind of thought he wanted to see how this year played out. And not even from a, all right, let's see how good Rui is perspective, or let's see how much of a leap Thomas Bryan makes, Troy Brown, those guys. Not even from that perspective. Just more like, can he deal with this year? You know, every time he's asked about it, he talks about the goals for this year. He talks about development. He talks about him spe- him specifically becoming more patient. He He doesn't talk about what the team is going to do in a standing standpoint. And that's great. It means he's being realistic. But Brad got really frustrated last year, as did pretty much everybody on that team. And that's a good thing. If you're on a 50-loss team and you're like, oh, everything's great, then something's up because everything's not great. You're on a 50-loss team. And the attitude in that locker room was totally stuffy and uncomfortable. This year, I am in 100% agreement with you. The vibe is just totally different. It is, it's not that it's happy-go-lucky, but it's spirited. There is passion there. It really does seem like they like each other. So far in the preseason, they seem like they play hard. I'm wondering if I'm going to be wrong. Is it really windy where you are right now? Do you have a window open? (laughs) No, I don't. I apologize. I'm, uh... I picked up a little speed with with no traffic in front of me, but that's about the extent of it. <laughs> I forgot you were in a car. I was like, "What is that?" But like, I wonder. I wonder if uh, you know they they might actually outplay expectations just because if they're a team that plays really really hard every night, you know, then you're a team who can play the equivalent of the 2018 Wizards on the second night of a back to back, and you'll win that game because you're going to play harder than them in a January game that the 2018 Wizards equivalent is just not really going to care about on the second night of a back-to-back. So I, I wonder that. The thing that I wonder about, though, is Brad is a wildly competitive dude, and he was frustrated last year not just with the atmosphere, although that was a part of it, but he was also frustrated with the fact that they just lost 50 games. And the dude wants to play on a winner. And I think he likes the Wizards a lot. I think that is clear. I don't think we need to go into any more analysis into the fact that he just signed an extension. Obviously, he is very happy in D.C. But what if this year they end up losing 55, 58? What if they start 10 and 32? How is he going to handle that midway through the year? Now, I thought my – and this was my opinion – I just thought he was going to go through the year and he was going to want to see how that felt. See like on an emotional level how he could handle that. And if he was able to go through that. The fact that he didn't feel like he even needed that means he has legitimate confidence in the organization. Uh and it means that he really likes playing here. Like on a level that's much more genuine than yeah, I like it, my family likes it, I'm happy. You know, it means there is something really true about that. Yeah, no, I uh, I think that's uh, – I agree. I mean, that's kind of what I thought, like, that to some degree, that for whatever whatever the reason, that he would want to wait and, and see how things went because you're right. You can, you can imagine how things will be but until you're going through it. And last year was different because, you know, 
you know, Bradley Beal pulled a few of us on the side at one point. I think it was after the trade deadline. And he basically was like, let me ask you guys a question. You guys think we're going to make the playoffs? And it's odd to have a player, like, sort of essentially on the record ask us questions. So we all kind of were like, eh, you know, not going to say. And he goes, no, no, come on, for real. And then we were like, uh, no. <laughs> like, basically, like, you know, God bless you. But no, I mean, you guys just traded away, you know, a bunch of starters, no wall, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, all right, well, we'll see. And then obviously, you know, it played out the way that it played out, but but he believes that like like even to the I'm just my point is like even last year he when the rest of us were seeing a team that that just didn't have enough he kept he had a vision that there was more going on and this year will be different presumably because you can't it's hard to imagine even that guy is thinking this team is going to the playoffs but it just shows sort of the competitive nature that he has but yeah there are other components he's not look I do not like this era. The player empowerment I'm fine with in terms of, like, the players getting to dictate their their careers, their lives more than, than in the past. I don't have any issue with that, but I don't like this idea of, well, we had a bad year. I'm the best player. I want out. I mean, we just saw that in the NFL with Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars, and you see that obviously a ton in the NBA this past offseason, the past year with this. And sometimes I always want to shake the guy, the guy. I'm like, dude, you're the best player. If this team is not good, do, are you looking in the mirror or are you just saying effectively it's not me, get me out of here? Brad looked in the mirror and said, I, I believe that not only what they're doing, but I believe in me to be able to help get this going, and, and I want to see this through. And I think for me personally, that's an admirable trait because, like I said, I really just don't like this, you know, bump in the road, I want out of here uh, mentality that it seems like we're, we're, we're dealing with now with so many guys around the league, so. It'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. And uh, But, by the way, what do you think about just the basic fact of this from an overall perspective? The Wizards are clearly going to be up against – have salary cap concerns uh, at some point here in the future with John Wall and Brad and whatever. But the fact that Brad is committing to another year, do you think that maybe to give upcoming free agents a, a look at the Wizards? Like, well, okay, hold on. The bottom isn't falling out. Maybe I can agree to go here. If John comes back, looks reasonable. Brad staying for a little bit longer at a minimum, and he's saying he wants to stay even longer. Me signing on here now, I don't have to worry as much about the Wizards dealing him, and now I'm, you know, who knows what I'm stuck with. I, I, you know, I mean, we'll see what they have to play with next offseason, and they may not be big players in free agency per se, but even the guys on the side who maybe would have said, eh, pass on the Wizards, now maybe go, okay, Brad's buying in. All right, I, I can I can believe in this. I think it does even more than that. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be the two of them in 2021-22 make a combined like 79 or $80 million right there. And the cap that year is going to be, it projects to be right now, who knows what's going on with China. If they lose revenue, that's going to affect the salary cap in a negative way. But as of now, the cap projection for the 2021-22 season is $125 million. Those two guys are going to leave them with about $45 million of extra room, but Rui is going to have a salary, and Troy Brown's going to have a salary, and that's uh, you know the last year of Thomas Bryant's deal, and he's going to be making, uh, I think, 8-7 that year. So that all adds up. It's not like they're going to have a ton of room if the roster stays as is. Here's to me from a roster building perspective how it how it does the most, and then we got to run because i got to head to practice and make sure I don't miss Brad talking to media. But to me, the biggest thing that it does is if the Wizards really wanted to keep Brad, and let's say they didn't trade him this year and he didn't sign this extension, then next summer they would have he would have one year left on his deal. 
and they would have that one year to prove to him why he re-ups. Let's say they do whatever you expect them to do this year. They win 52 or, or they lose 52 or they lose 58 or they lose 61, whatever it is. They're not good. They don't come close to the playoffs, right? Um, that means they have this summer to put a team around Brad. Now all of a sudden, you got John coming back. You pray that John is just healthy enough to where he's good. He's not going to be 2017 John, but you just pray that you get 80% of 2017 John, right? You're more likely in that scenario to maybe trade. I talked about it yesterday with you, trade Mahimi for someone on a two-year deal and you factor into that equation, oh, we need someone who can help us in 2021. And that's a way that you do it. Maybe you trade Berton. Maybe you're you're more likely to pay Bertans or even overpay Bertans because you have his bird rights and you need someone who can help you. You're all of a sudden jumping into next season after one year and you've obviously got the lottery pick from this year as well. You're jumping into next season, maybe unnaturally, depending on how this year goes, depending on how Rui develops, on how Troy Brown develops, on how Thomas Bryant develops, on how Justin Robinson develops. Maybe unnaturally, you are accelerating a rebuild just so you can try to be competitive in 2020-21, just a year from now, and then maybe gun for 44 wins in the eighth seed. And now all of a sudden, you are in the same boat that you were in the last five years of the Ernie Grunfeld era, where you're making short-term decisions so you can appease one dude who it might not even work to appease for because he's a smart guy and he can look at the Wizards' cap situation and roster situation just as well as anybody else, better than anybody else, and decide if that's something he wants to be a part of based on what their future looks like. And to me, what this does is this gives them now two years to where they can feel comfortable rebuilding. If this year doesn't go great, which it probably won't, but they, you know, they Thomas Bryant develops a little bit, Troy Brown develops a little bit, Rui looks okay, you don't have to feel pressured, all right, we need to go get a piece with the mid-level exception that's going to help us. You don't have to do that. You can feel out John Wall's contract. If John Wall comes back and is 80%, you don't, you don't have a John Wall a contract situation like you do right now. Now all of a sudden it's two and a half years left of a guy who's 80% of what John Wall was. Now it's more like a Chris Paul contract situation. Maybe Miami wants that. Maybe you want to actually keep that because John and Brad in their 11th year being teammates are actually figuring out how to do it. Uh, it just leaves open your options because you have more time. Like time is a major resource here. And the fact that Beal extended their time next year is now this year because he extended that effectively one year. And that for the rebuild is just really big because now you can go through a more natural one. You can actually go through processes. You can say, okay, we saw what we got in Rue. We got a lottery pick now. Let's see how next year goes. Let's continue to build for the future and compile these these long-term pieces and develop talent around Bradley Beal, who's still only 26 years old. So, so to me, it just makes so much more sense for the overall team's timeline, and it's that might be the biggest part of the whole thing. Did I lose you, Ben? No, I'm here. Sorry. Apologies. Oh. Uh Oh, that, the, was, that was good. Uh, I'm not even going to cut it out, so I can just have the suspense. No, no, it's fine. I, I, I put it. On, I, I had it on mute because I, I was moving faster. I didn't want to like, uh, you know, to mess up your the sound. And now I'm just messing things up by doing this. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it, from a bigger picture for the Wizards, it, it buys them more time to figure out the next steps, and for everybody involved to be in, to see what 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 comes next. And that's you know. You know, again, like you said, John Wall, whatever he comes back at, hopefully it's close enough to what he was. Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown, this lottery pick for next year. 
Brad, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that that's a team that's going to be where the Wizards were a few years ago when they played the Celtics in that uh, playoff series when everybody thought they were the team to watch, but it gets them on, a, on an interesting projection if things pan out with these with these young players, with John, with, with money, other offseason decisions. Everything now has has a has a hope to stick because Brad decided to stick with this team, and I think that goes a long way. So that's it. We can talk more. Go to practice. Great. I got to go to practice. Uh, I will be back uh, next week. Look out for a trailer for the Athletic or the for Wizards After Dark running on the Athletic. Like I always say now, if you subscribe to Wizards After Dark and you have it on iTunes and all that stuff. Uh, just stay subscribed. You'll get all the episodes. You'll be good now that we're part of The Athletic. Uh, I believe we're going to be on Spotify very shortly as well and wherever else you get your podcast. so it'll be far more accessible because I have actual smart producers running this thing as opposed to it, be, it being a total solo operation. Uh, rate Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a nice review. I think we do a good job. I think it's going to be even better now that I have really good producers and I have the backing of The Athletic and all that. I think the product is only going to go up. The guests are only going to go up. I don't have to be with, with, with Ben every other second, and then Ben gets to have a life. And yes, Ben, that was meant as a complete slight to you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll be back uh, next week. Like I said, look out for that trailer, which is going to be coming through. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can get some bonus Wizards After Dark episodes as well. And um, I'm going to have a season preview episode next week as well. I'll probably be doing over-unders. Also, look out on The Athletic if you're a subscriber. Look out on The Athletic. I'll have a piece on Bradley Beal at some point, uh, probably Thursday afternoon, uh, potentially Friday morning. I don't know how they're doing the scheduling, but certainly by Friday morning. And uh, David Aldridge is going to have something up as well. I believe John Hollinger will have something up. It's the biggest story in the NBA right now. We'll be talking about it a lot. We didn't even talk about how this affects like Bradley Beal could have been the best player to change teams in the NBA over the next year. Next year's free agency class is barren. And Bradley Beal could have been the best he, player to change teams. He could, have been the, he could have been the guy that Jump talked about three times a week and he passed on that to stay with the Wizards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also, like, that's a big thing. I mean, major ramifications for the rest of the league. This... This is big for just the title race because he could have been the difference. If there are five teams or seven teams or whatever it is that believe they have a chance at a title, and if Bradley Beal could have made the difference between them being the favorites and them being like the fourth favorites or the sixth favorites, they're not getting Bradley Beal now. So it's huge for the rest of the league. It's obviously huge for the Wizards. Uh, I'm sure there's some stuff we didn't talk about that I'll talk about on my next episode uh, when I when I preview the season. But I'll be back next week with a season preview early in the week. They open up on Wednesday against Dallas. I'll have the first post game show of the year after that Dallas game with Tim Cato, who also covers works for the Athletic with us and covers the Mavs. I will talk to you guys then.